Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It is the 13th of May, 2021. This is Jim Hedrick from Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And hey Dave, how you doing? I am doing, I'm doing really well. How about you? Good. Mostly good. Actually kind of overwhelmed. Uh, busy, hard work. Uh, you ever have one of those weeks where no matter how much work you do, there's just a pile more to just keep finding new wormholes that you have to dig into every time you find one it's one of those weeks yeah it's funny i had to do and it's at right after um we we record this show um, i'm going on to a call with a client and i was like okay i should take like about three hours i'm just going to put together a quick audit they've changed some sections of their site i'll i'll like work over that section and it's just this rabbit hole of like, well, okay, I have like sort of a third of a document built. I have crawls with like way more errors and issues than I ever thought. I'm using new crawlers that are detecting new things. I'm like, all right, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to have kind of some half information on to tell, like to tell you, but I'm going to have to also talk to you like tomorrow after I've had a chance to actually digest the scope of problems that we're, we're looking well, at. Interestingly, in what you just said, sort of therein lies a theme of the next several editions of Webcology and any show but that wants to be up to date on SEO because SEO is just feels like it's changing again really rapidly. Google's giving us a whole bunch of new expectations and ways to measure them. Um, the tool makers are coming up with uh, their ways to, to look at and, and, and measure new expectations. And um, I think the introduction of AI like 12 to 18 months ago or maybe 18 to 24 months ago um, has accelerated a bunch of evolutions that were happening and we're in a whole new phase. So what you just said again about new measurements and uh, uh, new, 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 new things that you're looking for, for your clients. Um, I think that's going to be like thematic for everything from, from now on. Well, indeed. And I mean, we, we've at the same time as well, like what I'm one of the issues I'm dealing with is we have two moving targets because we have Google constantly changing things. But even when Google's holding steady, we've got like, even, even when if we just talk about like the core things, which we're going to be talking about some of the like H1 tech, like core <laughs> SEO premises, <laughs> we'll be talking about those later. Um, but even when they're holding steady, we've got technologies change, like developmental technologies changing, giving us problems we've never seen before or we've seen that problem but never like this with symptoms that look like that right like where just the developmental environment has changed such that we're having to look in different places or look for different signs of problems that maybe didn't even exist a year ago before this javascript library was out or whatnot i was just thinking that there's um i'm coming across a whole bunch of java weirdnesses that look like they've got to lead to errors, but I'm seeing them so frequently that it occurs to me that Google must be a lot more comfortable, becoming more comfortable with them as it learns that this is a process. But I think we'll get to that in a few minutes. Yeah. You, you, what do you do to get those Google scooters? 
<laughs> is that like like how fast do those things go? Uh, there's there's a picture in Search Engine Roundtable. I think it was a, like today of uh, the front of your house. I, I actually recognized it with these two Google scooters out front. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're actually those. Those are the second or the those are numbers two and three added to our Google scooter collection. Um, <laughs> and um, it's just from being a Google partner. Um, and if you like, there are certain things you can do to get rewards. Some of them I completely ignore. Some of them I don't. Um, right? Like some of them just are like, oh, that's a good idea. Some of them just naturally I would do. Some of them I go, that's horrible for the client. So no, like I've left many scooters on the table because I will not damage a client just to get a scooter. Um, but yeah, you just basically collect points and you can cash them in. So I happened to get a couple scooters this time. I got a scooter before. I got a iRobot cleaning my floor every now and then. <laughs> um, well, more importantly, what can these things do? Like if you can take it to the top of Gonzales Hill and just like ride it down. How fast, how fast can you get going on these things? Um, I'm gonna, uh, you know what? People can look it up the other direction uh, because I can't do the quick math to figure out miles per hour on this thing. <laughs> um, but the 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 two that we have uh, that we just got have a longer range uh, and are faster or a shorter range, but they're faster. They go about 18, 19 kilometers an hour. So I'm going to guess that's probably about 11 or 12 miles per hour. Um, the last one, um, it goes a little bit further. It's a little bit bigger um, and it goes up hills like a tank, um, but it only goes... 15 16 kilometers an hour so it goes a little bit slower um but uh you know works great so yeah they're 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 fun i got addicted to them when mary and i were in san jose uh, at smx last and you can just hop on them they're like by lift and stuff you just hop on them and off you go on these things and you just use them as transportation and they're they're great they're they're like i like them much better than calling like lift or whatever you just hop on the scooter end up where you're going um, and then you just leave the scooter there. And the next person who wants one gets it there. <laughs> it just works out great. So soon Google scooters will be so ubiquitous in our streets. It'll be just like that. Exactly. I look forward to it, except that I wouldn't just leave mine. <laughs> well, if you want to learn how to get a Google scooter or a whole bunch of other things all Google-like, uh, Google I.O., their uh, Google conference runs all next week. Um, and, well, most of next week, Tuesday to Thursday. It's free. It's open to everyone. Uh and it's probably worth attending if you want a sense of where Google's going and you are able to take the time off and get paid to hang out with Googleites. Yeah, I know I've registered for it already um, to, to sort of like, why well, I'm not, you know, obviously not in person, none of us are, but <laughs> which you used to be able to do, um, but I, I never did. But, uh, but yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be some interesting information. Um, it, it always is. And there's only a few of the events that I'll be attending because, you know, work, but <laughs> there'll be a, a few of them that I think will, will offer some value. Okay, important note, you don't got to register to get in. It's totally no. free to everybody. But if you um, are a Google developer, if you um, have a Google developer profile and you register to get in, um, you will have slightly extra access and Google's going to remember your interactions inside your Google developer profile and right. it will optimize your experience in the future. Right. So keep right. that in mind when interacting with Google in the future. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I've sold my soul to them so long ago with all of the information they know about me and the misinformation because like every SEO, it's like 
based on the clients and number of clients I have in various fields, I don't think you know at all what I'm interested in anymore, <laughs> like at all, or where I might be traveling on any given day, unless like through Gmail, I'm actually locked in some like travel arrangement. Well, actually, that's going to get back to normal probably sometime in 2022. And I bet you, you know what? Google will have a pretty good idea of what you and many others travel schedules are going to be. Um, conference circuit starting up again. Mm -hmm. um, I can predict where you're going to be um, pretty, pretty accurately based on, um, you know, based on what is happening, where in fact, Portland is having a live show, um, I think in the autumn, uh, one of yeah. the first, first of the returns of the live shows. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It's just a little too close. It's, it's funny because I know the one and it's like a hop, skip and a jump from me. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I wasn't able to, you know, based on where we are, I'm like, I don't know how this yeah. goes. I'm, <laughs> like I'm not even sure we're allowed to, we'd be allowed no, to That's go, what I so. mean. It's, it's, it's like a little, once you start getting into, uh, into next year, I'm much more optimistic about my abilities to hopefully travel the planet again, um, at least in some quasi-controlled, you know, maybe, I, I don't know what our regulations are going to be. Hopefully it can just go like wherever the world is safe now. <laughs> Off you go. Um, but uh, but we'll see how that goes. But I will be happy to see these things starting to open up. I'm going to be happy once I once more um, can get together with, with friends that I haven't seen in forever, other than like tiny little two-by-two two heads on a Zoom screen. <laughs> okay. We got a couple more minutes before we got to go to break. Um, this one came up, and uh, it was a Roger Monty piece uh, in... in, in, in uh, 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 oh my goodness, drawing a quick blank. Wow. SEJ? Oh. SEJ Search Engine Journal, thank you. Um, H1s. Yeah. Last week, our guest, um, uh, Cyrus Shepard from Moz, um, well, he, puts out, he put out a tweet, a uh, tweet poll, asking people um, what their opinion on, on, on Google's advisement on using H1s were. Mm-hmm. More than half the SEOs uh, agreed that Google suggests that you should only use one H one H one on a page to help it understand what the page is about. Right? Mm -hmm. Fifty six percent of the people who answered that question answered it wrong. Um, that was a bait and switch on on uh, Cyrus's part. Google doesn't care. Um, at least Google says it doesn't care. Several SEOs disagree with Google's new advisement, saying it doesn't care. Um, H1 headings on a page, it's going to be a discussion coming up. Are they as important today as they were before? Are they important at all? <sighs> I, like, okay, we can go the technical, like, is John right? Probably. Um, like, I mean, Probably, I know he doesn't know everything that goes on at Google, but he, he probably is, is technically right on that one. I think when you say something like that, you are opening Pandora's box for stupidity on the web. Um, and I don't mean the stupidity of SEOs going, well, let's make everything an H1, which once upon a time would have been a thing, right? Like, you, you know, that like, <laughs> it, I did stuff like that back in like oh, the early to mid 2000s, right? Like, exactly. Um, but developers already oh, using heading tags as like a formatting like 
element. Um, Which you know, now if you're going you, all the time, right? Exactly. And I'm sure they've kind of figured it out. Um, you know, sort of going, okay, this is here and, and let's filter those out. But for goodness sake, let's just, just keep this right. So to me, should you be using them? No, you shouldn't. Like, I, I don't actually care what Google says there on that one. Like technically it might be, but if you let sloppiness slip, slip through, then things are going to get sloppy, mm -hmm. um, whether it's technically right or wrong. So if you just put one, like I, I kind of view a site like my domain name is the title of the book. My H1 is the title of this chapter. I don't have multiple chapter titles in the same chapter. I then go to my H2s and 3s and have my subsections of that chapter. And when I move on to the next chapter, I have a new heading one tag <laughs> to define that you, chapter. There's, a, there's a logical hierarchy for the use of the H1s and it's a user experience. Thing. Exactly. It just flows down and it does make the styling elements easier. You can just go, this is this. And no, you can't do it with like, because it happens to work and your developer likes this like little side piece to be an H3 because it works with this styles. Nope, it is a span or something like do something else with that. Um, because yeah, as soon as you introduce that sloppiness, technically you might be able to get away with it, no problem without it without a hit. But as soon as you let people get sloppy, especially with sites with multiple people working on them, it's gonna get ugly really, really fast. Um, and then accidents are going to start happening. And it may not be with H1s, but it might be a misuse of H1s. It's drawing attention to click here, right? Like there, there's just so many things that can go wrong with stuff like that. That just, I, I still, I disagree. I, I might agree with technically is probably right, but I disagree with the conclusion that it is implying. Well, I expect he is absolutely right. Given Google absorbs and understands information differently today than it did like 15, 20, even five years ago. Now, what we're talking about is like just tradition and style and uh, 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 like a style guide from like um, Jacob Nielsen days, really. Um, and again, there is this hierarchy of usage in the heading tags um, for clarity's sake. And also, because back then you used to actually have to point out to the search engines, this is what it's about. And here's your, here's our subtopics that are related to um, the main heading, you know, mm -hmm. our, our major keyword and, and the stuff we're also want rankings for. Google absorbs information differently today. Nevertheless, um, SEOs around the world, especially older ones, can be excused for going, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be done. Well, and I think we've worked with enough people that you go, oh, one of them's going to go, but my H1 tag is big and bright and red, and I want a big, bright and red buy now. So I'm going to make that an H1 so that now this buy now, two-thirds down, it is going to be that. So it just introduces an, an element of sloppiness that as long as you've ever worked with multiple people, I don't know, on a user-generated content site or anything, right? Like as soon as you've just worked on a site with multiple people, you go, as soon as I say this is allowed, then I have to assume eight misuses of that are going to happen that I can't even anticipate right now, right? Like that's how this game is going to get played. So Dude, my, my only problem with your example is it's this, I, I work with web, actual live web users, and it's very hard to argue <laughs> against a very large, prominent, big red buy now button or <laughs> link or something. But there's other ways to do it besides an, besides using yeah, a header yeah. tag to, to, to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But oh, a really big red buy now. Speaking of big red buy now buttons, mm -hmm. it's time for us to take a break here on uh, Webcology.
on WMR.FM. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Beatstock Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedge of Digital Ways Media. You're listening to Webcology on the 13th of May 2021. Actually, you're listening to it any day you want to be listening to it. We recorded it live to webcast, live to podcast on the 13th of May 2021. Stick around. More content after these messages. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Synergize your search engine education from 101 to Rockstar level. Only on WMR.FM. Webcology takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back to Web College on WMR.FM. It's, it's the 13th of May, 2021. And, uh, you know, Dave, I had, a, I had a, a fun experience yesterday. I was a judge for the uh, the Canadian Search Awards. Fun. Now, the names of the, of the winners haven't been released yet, so I can't say anything about that. But there are hundreds perhaps thousands of seo agencies across across canada would, would, would you agree oh yeah that's, that's not an underestimate eh? yeah. no there's a lot of them whole schools of seo thought and tradition um techniques came out of canada some from victoria some from halifax um some 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 from edmonton back in back in the day um today uh, there are huge SEO houses based in in in, in Canada. Uh, Shopify, the 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 one of the largest e-commerce platforms in the world, is uh, based in Toronto. Um, huge amount of SEO activity happening in Canada, and just a tiny number of entries in the Canadian Search Awards. Hmm. Um, and it was yeah, it's you know it's kind of. And I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, indicative of, of of bad work or anything. It's just because Canadians don't toot their horns very often. They don't really talk about their accomplishments or they try to measure their accomplishments. We're not used to measuring our accomplishments against ourselves, you know. Right. You know, it's it's funny. I literally an hour before this um, the show was was sort of going through Twitter, and the, there happened to be a a mention from SEJ um, on the U.S. Search Awards, and I was like. I should actually try entering the Canadian one, like just because I'm Canadian. <laughs> so, 
So maybe next year um, we'll, we'll, we'll give that a go and I'll, I'll toss my hat in the ring because I actually have Canadian clients that I wouldn't submit for, for a U.S. Um, you know, apply for a U.S. one. So maybe next year I'll, I'll give that a go. Well, a difference is if you if you were if you were a judge in the Canadian Search Awards, it's not. I mean, it's, there's a lot of work. You, you, it's hours of, mm-hmm. of, of of actually looking at and thinking about and um, inspecting and stuff. But if you're a judge of the U.S. Search Awards, it's lots and lots and lots of hours because there's just yeah. that many more entries. Yeah. Um, next year, I urge I urge Canadian companies. I urge I urge uh, you and Mary at Beanstalk. Like you, you do quality. You do hardcore quality work. Um, I urge people to, to enter these these things. Start tooting your horns. Um, well, no, see now now that I may be entering, I I urge everybody don't take Jim's advice. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> uh, no, indeed. I think it's I think it's great advice, and I like seeing those awards do well, like in the, in you know this side of the border, because you're right, we do do good work. Um, and usually we are comparing ourselves and, and, and sort of competing in the U.S. market and is good to every now and then go, oh, but also we have our own thing. <laughs> we do. And man, Canadians mightn't realize it, but there's actually getting to be a heck of a lot of us now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're multiplying. Almost 40 million uh, <laughs> of us, you know. Heck, it's enough for a hockey team. <laughs> okay. Back to, back to work. Um, where do we want to go? Okay, this this is uh, this is really bothering me. Google is being I, I think Google's been really ambiguous with directives around um, around its guidelines eat EAT mm-hmm. expertise, authority, and trustworthiness. A couple of weeks ago, Google talked about how it sussed out or figured out uh, who was an author of of anything that, that might be up, 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 up on the web based on their biographies and, their, and the expertise of authors of stuff up on the mm-hmm. web based on their biographies. Now, not every website has biographies uh, for their content. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, not every bio is an honest representation of who that author is. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching in a uh, SEO group um, uh, on, on Facebook, a fairly large SEO group on Facebook, people asking questions about how to treat their expert authors. And it occurs to me, there's a bunch of people making bank being experts, writing mm-hmm. content. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember this happened maybe two or three years ago when people started spending a whole bunch of money on expert content and it didn't move the needle that much. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm stepping out outside of my, 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 my my skin here because, you know, website owners should put up the very best content they possibly can. But I think Google is, is through through lack of clarity helping website owners spend money they don't got to spend yes i agree but they've done that a few times in in history and so if we're going to say you're going to commoditize a green bar and tell me that i can charge 500 bucks for like a little pr6 link versus 
I can buy my service of having the best possible content related to my field put on my site and maybe overpaying for it because it doesn't need to be good, but I'm overpaying to have the best version of a piece of content. I think if they have to air, they're, they're, they're mistaking better now. <laughs> so is Google's is Google purposefully starting an arms race in, in content? You know, they, they very well could be. I could see them doing it, but almost unintentionally, because even back when we were fighting about the value of a page rank six link and how much you could rent it out for every month, right? I mean, this is gonna go way back beyond some of our listeners won't know that and good for you for skipping that stage of things. Um, but even back then they were going build the best content, build the best content, build the best content. You remember Jill Whalen? Build the best content. Build the best. And stuff. she was right. And she was right. Um, and so it's not. I think that they're trying to build an arms race. They're going. We've always said have the best content. If you think that this author can produce the best thing for you, then that's what you're going to need to do to compete in the long run. Okay. Or maybe build your own expertise in the field because you've built a site around it, <laughs> and 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 work that way instead. Well, indeed. I, I agreed um i how to phrase this i just see um i don't know somehow i think this is going to lead to the dilution and crap and crappiness of content in the long run i just don't see i just can't explain how um but putting links to authors bios in on just regular standard web pages to get them to rank seems well cheapen the actual work that writers do when they write like informative content rather than marketing content. Well, indeed. And I mean, one thing that we need to remember here is an expert, and I, I work with, with experts in various fields, right? Like I have a client, I've talked about them before in machine learning. If I just leave the content subject matter to experts, I am not going to end up with stuff that is going to drive a lot of traffic, right? Because I'm just trusting an expert to just write about what's interested in them so even an expert needs direction from from an seo like you you can't just go i want expert content and expect that magically that expert content is all of a sudden going to pop all over the web and, and drive this mad traffic to you because that expert might be writing about something that interests them and eight other people and only experts not people looking for services right like we still need to make sure that we're, we're very clear and, and providing clear direction as SEOs. You can't just go hire an expert, build me some good content. You need to hire an expert, give them direction on the content format structure, other things that need to be on that page, different formats that might need to be included. Okay, now produce that expert. Um, or maybe you need multiple experts because you want some video and you want some, you know, there, there's a variety of different ways you can look at that one. But I think it is going to get into, I think to your point, a bit of an arms race over time. Um, but I think it's it's already gotten there. We're already fighting over. I want image. I want video. I want. I want. I want. I want. Right? Like we're already getting into mass content production. One of the things I'm trying in uh, my I don't know my 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 pig-headed sense of stubborn rebellion against the way I see <laughs> things going is um, gold. Segment it. Put it in its own box. Make it. Write your marketing content around the expert content as if, as if the expert content was a uh, separate article or a pre that you're quoting. Um, put it in its own box. Put, put all the um, biographical um, link information you want to put down in there. Um, or quote the, quote the expert 
in your copy and then cite them at the bottom. Have a link to citing them that goes to their bio. Um, that's the way I'm doing it, working with it, hoping, eh, hoping that, that will produce strong results. But having expert copy on marketing pages just, again, just feels wrong. Well, for, for, for credit to, to, the, to, to Google, you are a strong SEO and a very capable writer, right? And, and researcher. This is not every business and website owner. Right, like not every but business and website owner for. has that, right? So, so they need to hire these experts, right? Like you will make yourself an expert in a field to write confidently in it and produce that that copy. You'll research a thing and, and produce well, it. Certainly, well but I'm not a nuclear physicist, right? And but I don't imagine you're writing expert articles on nuclear physics. I'm just guessing. Uh, you'll maybe, be surprised. Maybe <laughs> okay. Wait till, wait, till, wait till you see the, the the home energy systems that Ontario is trying to produce in the future. You'll be surprised. Okay. Okay. I I, I look forward to seeing your expert articles on nuclear fusion. I, they aren't expert <laughs> articles. I'm not a nuclear <laughs> physicist. <laughs> You know what? And, and that gets to a big point that we've talked about before on EAT, actually, and this is a, an important distinction, because expertise, as Google defines it, depends on the subject matter. If you're talking about home energy from a layperson perspective in how they're going to be heating their home, does this have anything to do with how nuclear fusion or fission works and how reactors work? No, it doesn't. You don't need an expert. You need somebody who can present proper information on how this is going to impact the bottom line on your heating bill right? How this system is going to work in an environmental area around you if you're going to be within a hundred kilometer radius of it, right? Or, or whatnot, right? You actually need to put real world very much like in health. I don't need a cancer specialist and, and, and doctor and, and, and chemist to help me understand what it's like to have a partner suffering from, from liver cancer is the example they use in eat, right? Like, no, I need like somebody who's experienced this and, and who has experience in my area that I need expertise. And so I think expertise takes on a lot of flavors. And, and to your point, yeah, maybe you want a few pinnacle pieces, but a lot of your content for most businesses is going to lean to, I need somebody to explain this to a lay person. Now, maybe you want an expert to do it, but that's going to be really expensive. Or maybe you want Jim to step in and go, but I can tell people what they actually care about. <laughs> like, I can tell them the, the answer to the question they want in the words they want, which makes you the expert they're looking for, not somebody who's going to put in a bunch of formulas they don't understand. Content should be written to the users, not to the search engine. It's really, really, really important because yeah. that's who's buying the stuff. <laughs> oh, right. Conversions. Those things. Okay. Um, moving in the same sort of vein. You ever heard of the Trust Project? Not until you you shared something with me, actually, which is interesting because I was like, how is this not crossed my radar? But <laughs> Okay, the Trust Project is, um, well, it's a lot like uh, Google Quality Raiders um, and the Google Quality Raider, uh, like Google Quality Raiders, the, the, the people who help Google rate the quality of its own mm -hmm. search results. Mm -hmm. The Trust Project is a third party group that is helping Google figure out a series of trust indicators that uh, newsrooms um, can add to their content to, um, well, you know, just verify the veracity of said content. Um, you know, this is probably actual factual truth if 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and H are met as as uh, parts of the story, right? Mm-hmm. So Google's been working with uh, 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 the Trust Project since 2017 to, again, try to figure out how to put these um, trust indicators into uh, news content um, without compromising the actual content. Um, and now that uh, expertise, authority, and trust has become one of the ways to look at your content and uh, improve it. Mm-hmm. Questions out there, Google, are you using the Trust Project to verify and figure out um, uh, uh, expertise, uh, authority, or trustiness? Truthiness? Trustiness? Trustiness? Um, <laughs> in, uh, in, in, in content. And here's where, okay, so <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, Lily Ray is the one who was, who, who, who was asking the question. She asked the question to Danny Sullivan via Twitter. And here's where it gets, gets fun. Danny said, no, it does not. Not directly anyway. Okay, so let that one sit there for a second, okay? Not directly anyway. Our systems try to, re- try to return helpful content. Uh, raters help us calibrate those systems to make sure they're doing well. Providing transparency can ensure you're aligning with these things. And then he uh, links to Google Search Central. So the trust project and um, authority, um, expertise, authority, and trust. Not directly, anyway. So um, as of uh, two days ago, that's where the story sat. Yeah, I like I obviously have opinions on this <laughs> um, because I always do whenever Google says not directly or something like that, um, because that would be like user signals, mm-hmm. not directly. OK, so what you mean is functionally as us, we can look at them and go, these are clear indicators of things that they would use to measure by. Right. I mean, not not that like if they're going, OK, here's you know markers that people can put on a page like obviously they wouldn't use something like that because some jerk like Dave is going to go out and go, well, let's put those markers on every page. Right? <laughs> like, might even write a WordPress plugin to just automate like auto generate those little markers that they've told me to put on the page. Um, you know, so clearly they can't use that, but they have to be using them as inspiration for what the quality raters are basing things on, right? So it's it's like the quality raters themselves. Do they impact search results? Not directly, but do they impact how the entire search algorithm functions? Yes. So they kind of impact search results. They just impact all of them, not just yours, right? So that's sort of how I, I'm sort of reading this is, yes, you could look at that information and go, okay, I can be inspired by what they think the best practices are. And this is likely having a, an influence on what the quality raters are seeing. No, I can't put this marker or this marker on a page because that's going to be too easy to gain. Um, so I, I, I think there's a lot that can be read in that. I feel sorry. These are the ones where I'm not even frustrated with, with, with Danny for having to say it that way. I get it. I get why you're having to say it that way. You, it would be false and you it would be a useless system to go, yep, exactly the way it is outlined. That's exactly what you got to do. 
no problem because you could probably i'll bet listeners people listening right now are exactly the type that would go i mean not so would i if like at, at a time right? like yeah. barged in there and, and abused that right there's a reason i know what the value of a page rank six link was in like 2003 <laughs> like there's a reason i know these things here's the thing with uh, your line of thinking which i absolutely agree with Okay. Now here's the thing with that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. You got to say the same thing about about um, the quality raiders raiders themselves and eat the quality raiders guide and eat. That has to be impacting the algorithm directly and directly. Right. Right. Um, ergo, it's actually kind of important. Right. So SEOs should probably familiarize themselves with the trust project. Right. And uh, as Dave said a few moments ago, figure out what these what these indicators are. And um, I don't know how to use them. And be inspired by them, if nothing else. <laughs> Just be inspired by, because there'll be a reason that those are markers for trustable content. Well, you know the coolest thing about trustable content? Mm-hmm. It tells the truth. It's honest. It's written to help people. Oh, I've seen lies that seem trustable when you read them. That's true. That's absolutely true. Okay, where do we go? We got time for one more really quick one before we got to take a take a uh, a break. Um. Okay. I, I like you. I'm probably I'm quickly going through the stories, going which one can we grab really really easily? Um. Okay. This is like uh, one I'm excited about. You're excited about. Um. Because everybody will have heard me like ranting and be very, very sad um, about the fact that the structured data testing tool was being replaced by the rich results test over at Google and, and, and the, the structured data testing tool gave so much more information. It looked at things that just like at schema that just wasn't directly related to rich results. It looked, it mm-hmm. gave and, and reported on things well only cares about rich results right now exactly and i think that's in part fair enough like keep us focused on the things that we can actually act on and to to implement something on on google schema.org now has the market validator Uh, basically is the same tool just just moved over to schema it's now live as of yesterday um so Everybody update your bookmarks. That's all I did. I just edited the URL. It's the same bookmark. (laughs) I'll keep calling it the structured data (laughs) testing tool because that's what it's called in my bookmarks. Um, But yes, it it is back. And if you go over to search engine roundtable from yesterday's archives of yesterday as of now, the May 12th archives, um, you'll find a link to it and and a story on it. Well, I understand it's, it's back and better than ever. It's actually reading and sussing out more type and giving advice on uh, more types of schema. It's going to be really interesting. And there's some functions that I'll bet they're going to be adding in for like, because I, I would, if I were them, where, okay, and this schema relates to this and this, but not this, right? Like, okay, like Facebook will care about this, but not Google. Well, I can't and that's something that works Google that way, but would never have done in yeah. DSC. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think it'll be enhanced quite a bit. I'm, I'm very excited by this. Okay. Validate.schema.org. Um, have fun. Okay, we got to take a break. Um, you were listening to Webcology recorded live to podcast on May the 13th, 2021. About Dave Davis from Beats Talking Internet Marketing. He's Jim Hedrick, Digital Always Media. Stick around. We got more coming up after these messages. Here's the 
Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And, uh, well, to, 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 to paraphrase history, in the beginning there was Notepad. And Notepad beget GeoCities. And GeoCities beget, um, I don't know, something like uh, Macromedia, uh, Dreamweaver. And Dreamweaver beget WordPress, and WordPress beget Magento, and Magento beget uh, 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 BigCommerce, and BigCommerce beget Shopify, et cetera, et cetera. And the same thing is happening in the world of Java. In the beginning, there was Notepad. <laughs> Now, um, JavaScripts are, are, well, I mean, everything is, uh, is, is, is minifying as much as possible. Um, JavaScript is a perfect way to, is a, to, to make things small, fast, and agile. And uh, there's a whole bunch of automation coming into this world, including a bunch of SEO automation, JavaScript. And it started to cause um, physicists and evolutionary process chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, what do you think? This is uh, 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 there's a whole bunch of new tools that are coming out that uh, uh, you know, some, some some tools are like the Pfizer vaccine and some tools are like the Sinovac vaccine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and all points in between. Yeah, um, I, I think we we run like it, it's a really, really interesting sort of world we're hitting right now, right, with with JavaScript specifically. Um, I know like on, on the Google Ads side, um, I use Optimize with, with Google Ads where depending on whichever keyword is being used, I can get that injecting into different points of content on, on the page, right? Just using JavaScript through Optimize to go, okay, I'll tag my keywords you know, and then, and then force that through so that I don't have to, I can run a, a whole ad group with, with adjusting text based on the key, like the specific keyword or whatever, right? Like little automations like that, um, you know, that, that I find really, really helpful. Um, where it gets a slippery, slippery, slippery slope um, is when we just keep adding more to our sites, right? And that's one of the things they're talking about. There's, there's things you can automate on your site. And it's like, and that's, wonderful and a lot of automation and personalization 
is absolutely fantastic. But with every single thing you do, you are just dumping. <laughs> like a lot of these libraries are not tiny. Some of them are actually pretty, pretty manageable, but, but a lot of these libraries and, and, and the JavaScript required to make things function are not small. And so when you suddenly start dumping more and more onto websites, you're making them less and less approachable, especially when we're dealing with, with international where people might be functioning on not the same networks that say you or I, or probably many of our listeners, since we're all listening through podcasts, you know, online, I assume, you know, we've all got pretty fast speed. Not everybody does, um, you know, and, and so that we can get into some problems there. And then there, I'm mostly talking about, you know, the, the number four in the article to build or enhance your websites with JavaScript. It's like, that's great, but be aware of what you are doing to that site's speed and what you are doing as far as the bandwidth requirements of it to function. Right. And I mean, we, we're sort of being forced to with the core web vitals anyway. Um, but, but that is, and I know that wasn't fully the point of, of the article. That wasn't really the direction the article was going, but it was one of the points. I'm like, oh, you just keep adding stuff though. <laughs> We've had on Jamie chatting about El Rico, um, chatting about exactly this, you know, sort of the like, okay, you want sort of one bit in? Well, you need to pull a bit out. So which bit is coming out? Because we can't just keep adding. <laughs> Onto our, you know, onto the load of our site. And, and that's what I worry about when I see stuff like that. It's just like, okay, we can do more. So we should. Not necessarily. I wasn't thinking that direction, but you know what? I absolutely agree. Um, I've come across a weird one. So dealing with um, massive um, shopping sites, um, developers use a bunch of shortcuts, just yeah. Um, yeah. you just need to have like um, hundreds of thousands or millions of URLs to deal with. And uh, Java redirects are, um, I see things from Google Search Console's perspective. I right. see what Google's picking up on and saying, hey, that's weird. I don't understand this. Developers do things because it's expedient. It gets the job done. Um, they have 200 tickets that they need to knock down by uh, by the end of next week, and they're just ramming through them. So I'm coming across these series of redirects that are actually functioning 200 pages and then redirecting back to the page that referenced them in the first place. And it's happening over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I think it's uh, uh, trying to find HTTP to move to HTTPS, but there is no HTTP to find. Hmm. That's my theory. Because um, I've been coming across this like in the last week uh, with those stupid wormholes I was talking about at the beginning of the show. Um, as far as Google's concerned, it's seeing two incidents of a 200 of the pages resolving properly and then referring back to itself. Which is um, annoying <laughs> um, and confusing. You see, and we're, oh, sorry, go ahead. And, and an SEO automation error. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. This is the sort of stuff we were talking about or, or alluding to just a little bit earlier. Like, as developmental technologies progress, we end up getting problems that, yes, these problems would have been problems in 1998 as they would have been now, but the causes of the problems are changing. This was so weird because everything was right, but it wasn't. Right. <laughs> you know? Okay. 
Uh, we got a couple minutes left. Here's one that I thought was really cool. Google My Business for local search is like a resource box tool chest of utilities that are helpful as hell. Um, yep. You can call. You've always been able to, 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 to or for the last year or so, you've been able to place a call via your computer using the, a number provided by Google My Business. Mm-hmm. Now, Google is giving you a call history. Um, what happened on that call and little annotations that you can add yourself. Um, and the way they do it is really cool. They assign you a Google number, a Google, a Google assigned number that automatically redirects to the number you've entered in your business number that you entered in Google My Business. And um, because it's really a Google number that's being called, Google's able to track the history and the outcome of the, of the call and all that, and then provide you with all this that you can use for your for your own extremely cool little system yeah i think it's great like we've been using this in ads for a while right like google always happy to take your money right so they've allowed that sort of tracking in ads um for a while but um yeah i i i really like seeing it of course i always have to question what's in it for them right like there is a a value to the data but everything they do costs money right like google like Mm -hmm. for for them to offer this costs the money and it's sort of a a free enhancement right now for right now (laughs) that's what concerns me is there there has to be a thing like i I assume they will um there, there there'll be some way for them to now get in front of us um, and, and monetize this in, in some some way. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do it because I have a hard time seeing them trying to take over the phone system. Well, so. I- indeed. And, and I'm more thinking coming up with a way of marketing to our customers directly through that interface and going, you should be advertising. You should be advertising, right? <laughs> like, and, and trying to get them that way, turning it into sort of a, a lead point. Um, in there, which is great for some. Like, I don't get me wrong, love Google Ads. Um, so I think that's great for some, but it, it might be annoying. And, and what do they do if you don't? And, and that sort of thing. I, I find it like, what volume can they deal with without making moreover, a gob of cash out of it? Moreover, every consumer who calls that number gives their number to Google and right. associates themselves with whatever entity they're calling about. And that's a valid point. And so now the Google ads for somebody else, your competitor are more effective, right? Like, so <laughs> they do get you coming and going there. Don't they they? kind of do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, here's a, here's a fun one. And I think one that will clear up a bunch of frustration that FC, that uh, a lot of SEOs feel Ryan Jones in his ask me anything column over at search engine journal on what to do with old content. So Ryan, being an old SEO himself, uh, gives the perfect answer, of course. Uh, it depends. <laughs> uh, and it's a logical, it depends on what the content is, what the purpose is, who the audience is. Um, if it's news content, for instance, you should probably leave it as is because it covered something that happened and you mm-hmm. can't change history. Um, if it's marketing content, on the other hand, you probably want to update it because the product service audience um, competition or whatever has changed and you probably want to update. Um, if it's old SEO advice, delete it. <laughs> just 
kill it, nuke it, get rid of it. Somebody has um, written the update on it. Kill your old advice because too many people are coming across it and doing things that are 5, 10, 15 years old. Yeah. It's interesting that this comes up. It was just a few months back, well, maybe a little more than that. Um, but I'd gone through and pillaged all of our old content off off our own blog like actually just gone through and, and gotten rid of a bunch of old stuff like the blogs was there in 2004 we didn't just share stuff on facebook we were doing it through rss i had like 75 word posts that were basically mm-hmm. just like a you can read this story and then linking through to to the story pillaged all of that stuff uh but did find as we're talking about here like some interesting stuff about Oriolon and the orion algorithm or, or this or that like things that historically oh might be interesting um but put up a big notice like it's just an automated It'll just pop up at the top if it's over a year old and go, this content <laughs> is more than X years old, right? So be aware of that. And I think, yeah, if you're an SEO or, or something where that that matters, um, it, it is a good idea to just, just have this up there that goes, don't pay any attention to this. Do not pay attention to this article on link building strategies from 12 years ago, right? Like it's yeah. probably not great anymore, but there were some references in it that were still valid. Right or something like that. I thought it was. I thought it was a uh, uh, most kind of Ryan to uh, to yep. put that up. It depends. Hi. Hi there. My microphone. Um, okay, you we all got a hear couple me? seconds. We got a couple seconds before uh, end of show. Uh, you know what? I don't know if we can, if we can jump in to a to a to an SEO uh, a topic with so little time but 465 million dollars for a season of Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings is coming to uh, Amazon TV Amazon mm-hmm. Prime yeah and they spent almost 500 million dollars filming a season I can't yeah. just, just I just can't I just it just blows my mind um you know, it kind of blows my mind too. Except Jeff Bezos also just commissioned a yacht for the, a little bit more money than that. So, the you know, of Bezos. <laughs> I mean, didn't 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 like Tolkien write an entire book on the desolation of smog? Um, <laughs> Bezos makes uh, makes smog look like a little piker. Seriously, um, but yeah, I mean, but they do note. I, I like I'm looking at the story that you were you were chatting about, and that they. I, I don't know what part of this story, like in the title, and, and I sort of read through it um, as well, but they aren't wasting $465 million on the on one Lord of the Rings season. Now, do they mean that that money is being invested in multiple seasons, right? You have to get the groundwork, build the sets, that's and that, and, and so it'll be through multiple Or are they just saying it's not a waste? We really like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so it's not a waste, and it might just be for one season. I'm not sure what they're referring to in the, in the wording there, but... Uh, Everyone loves Hobbits. That's yeah. That's all there is to it. Okay. If you're using the auto-optimized plugin, there's about a million and a half of you out there in WordPress using the auto-optimized plugin. Mm-hmm. Um, you're naked. Haha. <laughs> uh, there's a vulnerability. Um, there's, uh, I, I, uh, you're, you, I believe you're wide open to hackers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So fix Patch that. It. Yeah. <laughs> it has been updated. So get in there, update your plugin, and you're safe again. Okay. That brings us full circle. Uh, it's top of the clock, friends. It's, uh... oh my goodness. <laughs> you, ever, you, ever, you know when you want to say a sentence and you lose it halfway through? Right. <laughs> uh, hey friend, you have been listening to Webcology on WMR.fm, uh, recorded live to podcast on the 13th of May, 2021. 
On behalf of Dave Davies from Beats on Gangs New Market, he's the gym manager of Digital Always Media. Stick around, Webmaster Radio or WMR.FM. <laughs> The opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast. The opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast. Re-